Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome back to MS Minute with DCND. I'm your host, Natalie Pugar. Quality sleep is important to everyone in keeping a healthy lifestyle. We all know that, but sleep issues are very prevalent for people living with MS. So today's episode is focusing all on sleep. We are joined by sleep expert and neurologist, Dr. Michelle Noel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we know um, that if we don't get enough sleep, we don't feel great. Um, And for MS patients, that can cause symptoms to be even worse that they already had. But how do you know if sleep is the issue and if you are sleep deprived? Well, you know, I think from my experience, what a lot of patients with MS tend to do is kind of push some of these symptoms off on their MS. Well, that's my MS that must be making me feel this way or that way. But what we you know, really need to think about is that if you're feeling, I mean, obviously, if you're feeling tired, um, if you're feeling kind of sad or kind of grumpy or you just don't have the energy to do things, you don't have that initiative, you know, you might be able to get through your day for work. But then when you come home, you're spent. You know, you want to just sit on the couch. You don't want to do things with your kids or with your spouse or, you know, do exercise or do all the things that we're preaching for you to do when we see you in the office, um, you know, that could be sleep and that could be your major issue rather than it being just your MS. You know, MS is enough. It can cause a lot of symptoms, but could be sleep related too. Um, You know, if you're just zonked out by the time it's time to go to bed, you know, your head hits the pillow and you're immediately asleep. That's something a lot of my patients will say. I don't have any problem with sleep. I could sleep anytime, anywhere. Well, that's a problem. You shouldn't be able to sleep anytime, anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, it should take you at least, a, you know, a few minutes or so to kind of wind down in the evening, get into bed, be able to go to sleep. It shouldn't be hit the pillow and fall immediately asleep. Um, if you're not sleeping enough, too, that could be part of the issue. So if you're sleeping less than seven hours, um, that's probably not enough. And then if you find that you sleep more and you're still not feeling well, that could be a problem with how well you're sleeping too. So there's just just a lot that goes into it. And I feel like most patients with MS probably need to think about their sleep. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things when you just said, of course, you know, a lot of MS patients feel run down and they attribute that to the MS when it very well could just be sleep issues too. Yeah. So, I mean, as I was doing some research for this uh, particular episode, you know, the MS Society says that sleep, sleep difficulties are more common in people living with MS than the general population, which I found interesting. Um, so what causes these sleep issues for people living with MS? You know, it can be a number of things. Um, one of the things that patients with MS that we're looking at is their vitamin D level, and they're more likely to be vitamin D deficient. 
So if you're vitamin D deficient, then that can affect your sleep quality and also make you more sleepy during the day. Um, patients with MS are on a lot of medications. And even if they're just on, you know, immune therapy, that's enough that that could be making them tired. But then a lot of times they have to be on steroids or they, and that can cause insomnia um, or they have to be on medication for pain. And then that's going to make them sleepy. Uh, Medications for depression could make you sleepy. So all of these medications have potential side effects. Um, You know, another thing too is just that fatigue that they have because they're feeling weak or the muscles are weak. Um, you know, they want to lay down and relax for a little bit. Well, then that makes you more tired. The more that you are in bed or the more that you're laying on the couch or that you're trying to, you know, relieve some of the discomfort maybe from pains and various things that then makes you feel more tired. Um, you know, they may reduce their activity purposefully because it's hot outside. And if they go outside in the heat, you know, it exacerbates their MS, So now they're not out doing the things that they would normally do. They're not getting that sunlight. They're not, you know, telling their brain it's time to wake up and, you know, be active. Um, Then that makes you feel more sleepy as well. And then, you know, just depression and anxiety and stress that goes along with just having a chronic illness. um, That can also make you more sleepy and make you more tired and affect your sleep quality. And then other things that just go along with MS. Um, like restless legs, you know, that could keep, that could interfere with your sleep. So there's, there's just so many comorbid things that go along with MS that then can also worsen sleep. So what would be your suggestion to a patient, you know, who's, who's dealing with a, a lot of these sleep issues and, and fatigue and things like that um, to just bring it up to their doctor? Is there anything, what can we do about it? I mean, a lot of times your first step is just going to be either your primary care physician um, or your neurologist. So you could say, hey, I have a lot of these symptoms and I don't, you know, is this treatable? Is there something else we need to be looking into? Um, Because the patient with MS deserves to have a good quality of life just like everyone else. And so sometimes if we don't look at the other co-founding things, you say, well, it's, it's your MS. So see your primary care, you know, make sure that those uh, vitamin D levels are good, you know, take a look at your medication, see if anything is interacting with, with each other that could be adjusted or try to streamline some things, or even looking at your MS drugs. Is this the right drug for me? You know, is this, maybe causing too much side effects, do I maybe need to reevaluate that with my neurologist? But if you've done those things and, and you're still feeling tired, fatigued, sleepy, not sleeping well at night, you know, then it's time to probably see a sleep physician. Yeah. So just bring it up, you know, it's, so it's, it's not all, all, it's not always nothing (laughs) is what we've talked about on this podcast. So just bring it up. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on um, snoring uh, because I think it's important for everyone to know. uh, Is snoring normal? And if you could talk a little bit about that and then the relationship to sleep apnea. So snoring is common. And so then I think the the idea from a lot of, you know, just patients and population is to say, oh, well, then that's normal. But it's not. So it's not 
normal to snore if you don't have a cold or if your nose isn't completely clogged up or there's not a particular reason. Um, and if you are snoring, that could be a sign of sleep apnea. And it's probably the most noticed sign of sleep apnea. And patients who have MS are more likely to have sleep apnea as well, which is a very treatable condition that can impact your life significantly, but then treatment can also impact quality of life significantly. So if you're, you know, if you have MS and you are snoring, that's definitely worth a conversation. Okay. And what does the treatment include? So we have several options to us. You know, the most most common and probably most likely to provide good impact on quality of life quickly, easily is going to be CPAP, which is continuous positive airway pressure. That's the mask that you see people wearing at night, connected to a hose, connected to a small machine. Um, that can be daunting for a lot of people. They think that they're going to have to wear this humongous mask that practically covers their face, and that's not always the case. Um, there's a lot of smaller options. There's things that just go up against the nose. So there are a lot of things that can make that more palatable. Um, but that's going to be kind of our gold standard, especially if somebody is at least moderate to severe. And what that does is just provide air that holds the airway open so that one, you're not snoring and two, that then you can actually breathe and sleep at night simultaneously so that then you get good quality sleep and then are more rested during the day. Um, but for those who are moderate to severe and can't tolerate CPAP and have tried it, um, and given it a good try, you know, tried some different masks or tried adjusting pressures or things. There's also a, a newer surgical uh, treatment for this as well called Inspire, where it is a hypoglossal nerve stimulator. So it is a, a surgical procedure where a stimulator is implanted, but what it does is move the tongue forward at night so that it keeps the airway open that way. Um, so that's kind of a newer kind of exciting thing for people that maybe weren't willing to use CPAP or tried it and weren't able to, um, but are severe enough that we really need to treat it. If those options aren't good or if the patient has uh, mild disease, um, then sometimes we can look at different types of surgeries with help from an ear, nose, and throat physician where they might be able to open up the airway. Um, you know, there's various treatments that they can do there, one called a UP3, where they basically take out tonsils, adenoids, widen the airway. Um, but then there's a lot more advanced things that they can do too. Or um, you could get an oral appliance or a mandibular advancement device that's made by a dentist, fits inside of your mouth, holds your lower jaw forward, and kind of helps stabilize that jaw to help keep the airway open. So all treatments targeted at, you know, keeping the airway from collapsing at night, which is what's creating that noisy breathing and snoring, and then, you know, not allowing you to sleep well through the night. Wow, lots of different options now. That's great. There really are. So um, I'm guessing a lot of these require kind of a sleep study would be the next step if somebody had um, a lot of issues. So when would you say a sleep study is appropriate? Well, 
as a sleep doctor, of course, I'm going to say almost always, um, but <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if patient has symptoms and we've evaluated other causes, you know, then it's, it's pretty much a reasonable next option at that point. Gotcha. Um, there are options for, for sleep studies though. So the same as kind of alternatives to CPAP, you know, some patients don't want to have a sleep study because they're nervous about coming into a lab or spending the mm-hmm. night or having somebody watch them. Um, you know, there all kinds of various reasons, or and especially too with patients with MS, some of those patients may have mobility issues that that prevent them from being able to come into a lab setting easily. And for those patients, we can do home sleep studies as well, where there's just a device that they take home and hook up to themselves just to see if we're having any difficulty breathing, is the oxygen level dropping? You know, it's not as good as an in-lab sleep study, but can be a nice option for those patients. Yeah, to get a lot of data, good data there. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so let's talk about um, some things that we can all do to get better sleep. So <laughs> some of those things can start before we lay down, right? Sure. You know, the biggest thing is having a good sleep environment and a good um, pattern or, or ritual for sleep, but also doing it consistently. And that I think that ends up being the flaw a lot of times. And, you know, now everybody has these Apple watches or these Fitbits or, you know, various devices that they can wear to, you know, keep them honest that you can see, okay, maybe I'm not really going to bed at the same time every night. Like I thought I was, I'm only doing it 50% of the time. Um, But basically having a, a nice routine where you're keeping the same schedule, you're going to bed at the same time every night, you're getting up at the same time every morning. Um, within reason, you know, maybe sleeping in a little bit on the weekends, but not overdoing it. And, you know, limiting caffeine, making sure that caffeine, if you do ingest caffeine, that that's earlier in the morning, not in the evening. Um, you know, trying not to do really strenuous things right before bed. I'm going to get a quick workout in right before bed. Well, now you're not going to be able to sleep. You know, that's going to be further away. Um, you know, not using too many crutches like alcohol at night. Um, you know, trying to avoid taking sleeping pills over the counter things, things like that habitually. Um, so that your brain is actually just ready to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we don't want you to, you know, we don't want patients to smoke at all, but we really don't want them to smoke near bedtime because that is a stimulant. Even if they feel like, well, this relaxes me, you know, it doesn't, it, it wakes your brain up and it makes it harder to go to sleep. Um, you know, don't drink too much fluids before you go to bed. You know, this can especially be an issue for patients with MS that may have some urinary frequency. You're setting yourself up for disaster there if you're continuing to drink, you know, cups of water before you go to bed, because then you'll have to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, You know, you don't want it to be too hot. You want the temperature to be kind of cool, dark. Um, You don't want to be watching TV, getting on your phone. You just want the bedroom to be kind of a sanctuary so that it promotes good sleep quality for you, not where you do all your work or get riled up on the internet, you know, looking at things right before you try to go to sleep. Right. Yeah, which is really increasingly hard to do with these little devices we called phones with us all the time. 
I I mean, they're literally ruining our sleep. I mean, yeah. it's, we're just making it harder and harder to to turn off. You know, you can pick up your phone and look at a work email and then start thinking about work and go down that pathway at 10 o'clock at night when mm-hmm. you should have been asleep. <laughs> it's so true. So if you are struggling to go to sleep or you wake up in the middle of the night and then your brain just turns on, um, you know, are there any tips or anything that we could do to kind of shut the brain back off and and get Zen again? Yes, you know, definitely. Again, you don't want to resume any of those things. So you don't want to then say, well, let me have a drink or let me pick up my phone or, you know, let me turn on the TV. You know, you want to keep that you know, dimly lit environment. So if you wake up and you kind of toss and turn, you know, the general rule is 15 to 20 minutes, but we also don't want you watching the clock. So we don't, you know, we don't want you to check, well, it's been 14 minutes. It's been 15 minutes. Okay. Time to get out of bed. If it feels like it's been about 15, 20 minutes, remove yourself from the situation, get out of the bed. Don't turn on all the lights in the house, you know, just enough for safety. Um, go to a dimly lit room, look at a magazine or a, you know, a booklet or something that you've looked at a million times, something that's boring, that isn't going to engage your brain and just kind of do that until you start to feel sleepy again. You start to yawn, get back into the bed because you don't want to train your brain that you lay in bed awake because then it thinks, oh, we lay in bed awake and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, or falling asleep on the couch <laughs> halfway through the oh, night. Oh, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, a lot of people get an hour or two or even three of their night's sleep on the couch first. And <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> if you're that <laughs> tired, get up and go to bed. <laughs> yes, good advice. So um, what else am I missing with this? Or what kind of final thoughts would you have for for patients, um, you know, with MS that are are struggling with their sleep and who are, you know, just kind of frustrated with their quality of sleep. Um, you know, like I said, I would I would definitely look into, you know, look into seeing a sleep physician if all else has failed. Because a lot of times when I see patients, they are adamant. Well, I don't really have a sleep problem. I just have MS you know, and I've been dealing with this and this comes along with it where more often than not, I find that they do have sleep apnea or they have, you know, some untreated restless legs or they have periodic limb movements where their legs are kicking all night long, or there's options of things that are physical that may be even caused by their MS, but we can treat it and we can improve their quality of life and then get them back to their just, you know, just quote, dealing with MS because that's enough. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Quality of life. That's what we all want. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, Dr. Noel, for shining some light on all of this sleep. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's obviously my favorite topic. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 